Previously on the Jay and Dan podcast, mm-hmm. we had our first two stops on the Jay and Dan podcast tour, and they were a smashing success. Mm-hmm. Air Canada Rouge, if you want to make more money when your planes land wherever they land, have a back doctor <laughs> right there at the end of the uh, the the uh, jetway or the walkway. Mm-hmm. There's alcohol available at our at our podcasts. In Victoria, someone had a wee bit too much. Somebody puked in the aisle. Mm-hmm. I'll wait till there's a good laugh. <laughs> oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of drinkers out there. Yeah. They're like, we almost had a beer. Yeah. Well, they talk like an old-timey Western guy. Mm-hmm. The Victoria show, we had a heckler, but he was like a gentle heckler. <laughs> Almost like an encouraging heckler. Mm-hmm. Like we, we played an old f- clip from Fox and he goes, This is old! <laughs> this is old! It's like, yeah, it's all old, man. Like these are old clips. Mm-hmm. Happy to be able to perform for people who have respect. I think I'm going to leave now. <laughs> You're listening to the Jay and Dan Podcast. Hey, Runway, you want to get tickled? It's the last day of September. Bye-bye, old friend. Na-na, Summer. (laughs) Here comes the cold stuff. Yeah, it was a good run. It was a nice summer, too. And now, this weekend, we go to Calgary, where there's been a little bit of snow. All right, I'm going to bring my skis. Oh, by golly, Jesus. Think we'd have time to zip out to Lake Louise? Big time. That'd be amazing. Hey, uh... (laughs) (laughs) That recap there, I uh, came up with a new show because of uh, what you were saying from last week's pod. Mm -hmm. How about this for a Crave show? The Gentle Heckler. I like it. I like it a lot. You could set it in a comedy club in Toronto. And the gentle heckler, always in the front, gently <laughs> heckling, and then later, gently tickling. My uh, friend Graham sent me a text today regarding uh, Crave. He said, uh, uh, Crave would, Crave's ideal, they should have a soft, pornier option called Desire. Not bad. They should have a, <laughs> they should have a soft porn uh, angle to it well just a soft porn category maybe they do i haven't gone that deep into grave daddy needs his rimmer i usually just stop <laughs> at uh at seinfeld to be honest i'm like i'm gonna watch something else nah, another seinfeld here's the thing so uh my oldest daughter sydney she just finished brooklyn 99 she watched all of friends she watched mr d now if I uh, flip it on Seinfeld and she's walking through the room, she stops. Wow. She, uh, and how old is she now? Is engaged with Seinfeld. Not engaged to Jerry she's Seinfeld. She's engaged to Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> well, engaged. in the past, he did like the younger ladies. He's in, she's engaged in the viewing process. Uh, she is 11, soon to be 12, in October. What if, just a hypothetical, she turned 18 and then she was like, Daddy, I met a comedian. And suddenly she's engaged to Jerry Seinfeld. Yes. He's, and you are Jerry Seinfeld's father-in-law. He's extremely rich. Bring it on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So there you have it. Get ready for um, that. The wedding of the century. I'm hoping that I make it through this podcast because uh, I had a lot of chili before the show. Not just chili, but I made uh, my leftover chili in a sloppy joe so toasted a couple pieces of bread piled that chili on there and i downed it really quick it's like i was in a race and someone's going to take my food from me but there wasn't anyone taking my food and now i feel like garbage a couple of things i feel like you always eat like that like i feel like you always eat like somebody's gonna take your food is it because you were the youngest and then your older brothers and sister would be like, I want that pork chop. Oh, yeah. When you've got uh, three siblings, it's survival of the fittest. Uh, give me that pork chop, Danny. <laughs> Where is the banana hot dog? Give it to me right now. And I'm drinking way more water. Turns out I wasn't what? drinking enough water. I was drinking what? like a teaspoon a day. No. What, what brought this on, by the way? Was it a doctor visit? No, I just decided. I'm like, it seems to be the thing to do. 
But you thing. just decided that? Yes. Because we used to make fun of everybody here at TSN who'd walk around with their water bottles. Well, I don't walk around with a water bottle. I just sit at the desk. And then the more water you drink, the thirstier you are. It makes no sense. It's stupid. Yeah, but, and the bigger problem is you got to pee all the time. It's, I, like, during the show, one minute into our TV show, I'm like, I got to pee. I got to pee. Yeah. I got to pee. I like the idea of us working the toilet breaks into the show and having them be sponsored by, like, Lysol bowl cleaner. Or, because we wear wireless microphones, we just leave our microphones up while you're doing a highlight pack, and I'll be commenting while in the can. And you can hear the trickle. Or the kerplop. <laughs> It'd be can like, you imagine if you took a massive dump as I was doing a highlight pack, and it was mic'd? You know that would never happen, though. Oh, because you won't... <laughs> That's right, you won't take a poo at work. But there has, again, like there has to be some time where it's happened where, where you've had to do it. I think some once, emergency. I think once something. I told you, I'm like, I just had to, because I was running into some problems. But right. that was like once in 16 years. Incredible constitution. Very impressive. And I, I cannot say that. I've definitely tattooed a lot of bowls <laughs> at Agent Court. I don't even like looking in the stalls because I don't know what is wrong in people's diets. <laughs> how they sit on the toilet, but it's it's everywhere. Well, the other thing is, like, I just walked into the one by the makeup area. Oh, it stinks. It's so gross. It smells like they mopped it with urine. It smells like somebody walked in, pulled their pants down, just pissed on the floor and the sink and the doors of the stalls, <laughs> and they walked out. Like, it's so gross. Yeah. And I'm like... How could this be? Like, how could this have happened? How did we get here? How did we get to the smell being literally, as Dan said, like somebody mopped with urine? So here's what I've discovered. That is the constant smell of most restrooms in this building, but they have a little air freshener in the corner. When that air freshener runs out, that's when the smell comes back. It goes bad. So we are sniffing it. We just aren't smelling it. Does that make sense? We're, We're inhaling it. Where the olfactory nerves aren't picking it up per se. Still, that's not right. We need to do a gut reno of this place. What do you think of the odds are, are of that happening? <laughs> Everything's barely <No>. hanging on. <laughs> the whole thing is, is like, last one here, turn the lights out, and then we bulldoze it. I think I've told this story before, but uh, in the entrance to our studio, where I, we do the TV show, you come in the front doors. There is a box of bolts. There's just a cardboard <laughs> box of bolts and screws. It's been there for 14 years. It's never been moved. It's just always sitting there. But I love, like, we, we have, like, town halls, and, and we invite, like, Olympic athletes and, and NBA championship athletes, <laughs> and everyone's like, should we, should we move the bolts? <laughs> Leave the bolts there. Where's uh, where's Jane Dan's show uh, shot at? Take a left at the bolts. You know where the bolts are? <laughs> you know that box of bolts? Bolt box? Yeah, you go find that, you'll find that show. It's bolt box. Can we do a bit tonight about the box of bolts? <laughs> no. I'm afraid no. to do anything, actually, at this point. We might have to cut this whole part out of the podcast. Yeah, that's right. Anything. Did we offend anyone, Christoph? Uh, there's no angry bolt people here yet. Okay, good. We've only just started. Yeah, people, what do you have against bolts? I work at home hardware. Bolts keep this country together. F*** you guys. Hey, I have a... Had something happened to me on the weekend. Bolts? <laughs> Took my kids to the Peterborough Museum. Hadn't been since I was a young boy. Whoa, back it up. The, there's a museum. And if that doesn't turn your crank... And it's about things about Peterborough? Yeah. Here's a little fact. You want a fact about Peterborough? Peterborough was the first town in Canada to use electricity instead of gas to light their streets. Huh. Very progressive. We had the lift locks. Uh, I, I read about the lift locks. So we have these giant hydraulic lift locks. At one time, they were the highest ones in the world. This guy, he... He designed them. They built it. And they said, nah, nah. Cost overruns. You built this all wrong. He was fired. He was a disgrace. Nine years later, 
Found out everything was fine. And he was like, yeah, yeah, you're fine. Imagine that being your legacy. You're like, this is my crowning glory. And then they say, no, you f- everything up. And then they come back nine years later. Nah, it's fine. You're okay. So it turns out he was not wrong in his planning and design. Right. And they, this is in the museum? <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it like a prominent display? Or? Well, Liftlocks, it's the symbol of the city. Oh, boy. Is there anything about uh, those deadly railway bolts that you found? Those uh, spikes? Nah. Okay, here's what happened. So, pulled into the museum, not even in my vehicle, in another vehicle that no one would ever know that I was driving. Okay. I get out. A person, they had to, so there's like a gazebo where people can have like uh, picnics and stuff. A gazebo? Yep. Like 500 meters away from where I parked. Where... If you looked at a person, you might be able to make out who they are. I pulled in. No, per, no way the person could see into this car. I get out. Within half a second, someone from over 500 meters away says, Deno! Uh, I wave. I'm like, hey, man. And then just continue to walk into the museum. What do you do in that situation? Do you walk over to the person? I, th- I think you did the right and thing. And how did they know... It was me uh, from five to six hundred meters know away. People probably car you drive. No, I, but it was not mine. It was not my vehicle. Uh, people, well, you're a recognizable uh, personality. No, no, I was like wearing like shorts and a, I, I had a hoodie on. Like a hoodie was you up. Did, were you, was your silvery mane covered? I think so. It was. Oh, that's a real it's, head scratcher then. It's got me thinking. I'm like, well, how did that? And then. They were eyeing me up when I came out again. I'm like, do I, am I supposed to go over and say... What do you mean, eyeing you up? Like, they wanted to fight you? Hey, who wants to... F- no, like, they were questioning why I didn't come over, maybe. Oh, maybe... So they were buds. But I, 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 I didn't know who it was. Well, couldn't you just been like, who are you? <laughs> That's what I would have done. Who are you? You're a great distance away. I don't have a clue who you are. You may know me. <laughs> I don't know who you are. Identify yourself in the gazebo. You in the gazebo. Identify yourself. This is Dan O'Toole. <laughs> it's very strange. Were they having a picnic over there? There seemed to be a bunch of people. He was a large man. He had a beard. Be a nice... Was it Santa? <laughs> was it Santa Claus? And then I drove up and I... Uh, so the, the part is, if you drive past the museum, it's uh, a lookout. You can see over Peterborough and it's, it's oh, make-out point. You, oh, did you take a lot of ladies up there in your well, high school Well, here's days? the thing. So I drive up and I tell my kids, I'm like, yep, yeah, this is make-out point where everyone comes to make-out. I'm like... Okay, they're going to ask, like, hey, mm. you ever come? Hey. Didn't ask once. Yeah, they're like, no chance daddy got any. <laughs> no chance daddy got anything. <laughs> We've seen his game. I think people um, stopped going there for a while because there was someone peeking in all the windows. It's probably that bearded guy. <laughs> probably that guy. It's the old peeker. No, no. Who wants to who wants to come peek at the people at Inspiration Point? Dan, there's some cars over there. People are making out. Let's go peeking. He just goes to each window. Dano. Oh, sorry, wrong car. Dano, is that you? <laughs> no. Maybe he's been waiting there since the one time I went in high school for me to come back. Do you remember who you went there with? Yep. Went in uh, my old uh, pickup truck with a lady friend. Oh, boy. Oh. That's where Dan got his first kiss. <laughs> Wait, what kind of testicle is this? <laughs> we, we made out, talked about the lift locks and how that poor man got fired. <laughs> and, hey, there's someone over there with a beard. <laughs> ah, it's probably nothing. I'll never see him again. <laughs> All right, let's smooch. <laughs> I don't think you say that before you make out. All right, let's smooch. Okay, it's smooch time. I was thinking about something. I was listening to 
Revolver, one of the best Beatles albums. I don't have that one. It's so good. And the opening track is a George Harrison tune, Tax Man. He's talking about the high rate of taxes in England at the time. Seems like a weird subject, but it works. Anyway, amazing bass playing by McCartney on that track. And guitar playing. I believe he plays the lead guitar. Anyway, at one point... Well, it's not that song. It's two songs later. Harrison has another track on the album. And one of the lyrics is, Make love all day long. That seems good. Then the next line is, Make love singing songs. I was like... Can you imagine if you're making love with someone and then all of a sudden they started singing a song to you? <laughs> You'd think they were disinterested. Like, that would be weird, wouldn't it? And what if it was like a holiday tune? <laughs> jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. What is going on here? I, I thought we were in the middle of something. I'm just wondering what he was thinking there. Did he sing his own songs to his lovers maybe, at the time? Maybe in his head he's got a soundtrack going. There it is. That's the, that's the one. Yeah. Make love singing songs. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think that would work for me. It might take me out of the situation. Yeah, I think I would have to. I would have to leave. I know the uh, title track off that album, Revolver, and it gave boom boom now. Yeah, it's by Snow. Mm-hmm. Uh. Well, we're about to talk to our uh, special guest in just a minute, but uh, we'll do a couple of reminders. But again, we are in Calgary this Friday, and we are in Edmonton this Saturday for a live edition of the Jane Dan podcast. Those in dates, in case you don't know. Uh, October 4th this Friday, October 5th this Saturday. And maybe you're listening to this in 2025, years down the road. You right. missed it. You'd want to know. This was October 4th, 2019. In Calgary, October 5th, 2019, in Edmonton. And uh, we've lined up two amazing surprises in both cities, which the big gets, big gets. Big time. It's going to be so much fun. I can't wait to go back to my home province. We, uh, when we would make out in high school, it would be at the gravel pit. <laughs> We're going to be like, is that gravel going to come falling down on our truck? Ah, let's keep making out. I posted a video today uh, promoting the uh, the stops in Calgary and Edmonton, and a lot of people said, what, no Fort McMurray? Oh, we can, we can hit Fort Mac if there's demand. There's a direct flight from Toronto. We'll do it. Let's do Let it. Let us know, Fort Mac, if you want us up there, we'll come. We've, we can, we've done that before. We've been up to Fort Mac. We can stuff. play the Keanu Theater. It's gorgeous. You could do a double bill. You could do Fort Mac and uh, Athabasca. Athabee would be a blast. Because they have a town hall in Athabasca. You know what? They have a beautiful theater, the Nancy Appleby Theater. Quick story. I th- hope I haven't told this. I probably have. Nancy Appleby was a... Uh, a piano teacher in town. Mm-hmm. And so they, when she passed away, they named the theater after her. It's a beautiful theater. That would be a really fun night to play the theater. Anyway, when she passed away, like there's only so many piano teachers in a town of 2,000 people, right? So she passes away and everyone's like, oh, that's sad. And then quickly, all the parents scramble, right? They're like, we've got to get our kids with other, the other piano teachers. And they can only take on maybe one or two extra students each. So it came down to, I kid you not, me and my sister... There was one spot left. Mm. And so my parents had to have, like, it was like a Sophie's Choice situation. (laughs) And they immediately looked at me and said, yeah, you're not doing piano anymore. Yeah. No kids with mullets play pianos. You're not, you have no talent. You're not going to make it. Was Mrs. Appleby heir to the Appleby's restaurant fortune? No, I don't think so. I was in her house. It wasn't that nice. (laughs) I hated piano lessons. So yeah, much. I took them too. Oh, God. They, they weren't fun. There was nothing fun about it. Like, couldn't Elton John have taught me? That seems like that would have been fun. He probably would have had a lot of cocaine on there. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that would have been a bad idea for me as a 12, 13-year-old. Not a good way to start I remember things. when my, uh, my piano lesson would come to a close, and with five minutes to go, the next kid would come in, and it's like... They're being led to solitary confinement. They're, you're just like passing glances. You're like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. So Nobody I, wanted to do it. I'm out of here, kids. <laughs> you're on your own. Wonder if, uh, wonder if Darren Dreger ever took piano lessons on the prairies like I did. Dregs, piano, 
Uh, no. Guitar. <laughs> oh, wow. That, see, that seems yeah. fun. Okay, I know why. Because you think sitting around the fire, the ladies will be coming to you. Oh, yeah. Looking for that triple threat routine. You know, <laughs> you got the hockey player, guitar player, the good looks. That's the triple threat on the prairies. Oh, you had it. You had I it all. I hated going to those parties where the one guy would bring out the guitar. Oh, and yeah. You're like, come on. <laughs> and you still go to those parties and you still hate it. <laughs> I know, I do. Yeah. But they've gotten better with age because they yeah. sing better. So you can have a big sing along. It's just annoying in high school. Well, look, and, and look, I come from uh, my wife's side of the family is very musical. Uh, Holly can play just about anything. And my son, Mason, taught himself how to play guitar. That's amazing. And That's I, a- I, like, I, I took guitar lessons for like a month and a half. And, I mean, I didn't expect in six weeks that I'd be good, but I was terrible. And, <laughs> and, it, and it hurt my fingers. You know, the tips <laughs> of my fingers were raw from trying to hold the strings. That'd be great. You join, like, Aerosmith or something. You're like, Ow! Guys, can't play tonight. Lead guitarist is out. Finger issues. Yeah, I got a blister. I'm a major league pitcher. I've got a blister on my finger. I'm out. Yeah, my brother Vince, he can't read music, but if he hears a song on the radio, 10 minutes later, he'll come into the room and be playing the song. Yeah, people yeah. like that are amazing, too. Like, Eddie Van Halen can apparently... Not just the guitar that he's obviously amazing at, but apparently he can pick up any instrument really? and just start playing it. How he's about more- a bassoon? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> like, like that's, it's insane that people can do that, and, and yet we have no skills like that. But you do None. have a skill for, Dregs, is hosting podcasts with your good friend, Ray Ferraro. Ooh. This is huge. Yeah, it is. It's big news. And, you know, we, we, we spent a lot of money in creative <laughs> in, in trying to get a catchy name for the podcast, we've got huge marketing budget, all of those things. And, I, I mean, I love the name. The Ray and Dregs Hockey Podcast, I think, knocks it right out of the park, doesn't it? Was there any consideration to make it the Dregs and Ray Hockey Podcast? <laughs> no, but I'll tell you, uh, this is honest now. Um, I, I, there was a suggestion that we call it Razor's Edge. Ooh, you know, okay. You know, okay. Ray being Razor. And this is how good a teammate and how unselfish Ray Ferraro is. He's like, two things. One, I don't like the gimmicky stuff, so no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. And I really feel strongly that we need to get Dregs in the titling. That's and, nice of him. That's yeah, good. nice guy, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, you're going into the trenches. You want Ray on your back. You're Absolutely. all good. Well, I don't know if I want him on my back. <laughs> no, I don't, don't. You want him <laughs> but I to have your, I think he, right. he's supposed yeah. to have your back. He's have, have your, your that's <laughs> what I was thinking of. Yes, that's what I was thinking so, of. But uh, now we're, we're excited about it. I, uh, we uh, we taped the first one this week. Uh, Paul Maurice, the Winnipeg Jets head coach, is going to be the inaugural first ever guest. What a great first guest. Yeah, well, and, and aside from the obvious, right? I mean, no one, and I mean no one in hockey handles the media better than Paul Maurice because, you know, th- there, there's no deflection there. Um, he, he's not afraid of the media. He doesn't always answer the questions. He can't. There's some things that he can't talk about. But he finds a way in an entertaining way, usually disarming whatever the topic is with humor. Um, and even when he's pissed off. Uh, he he's still so articulate that that you get a real keen sense of uh, how intelligent this man is. He so must be forward. one of the most respected coaches among media, among players, among fellow coaches because he he's never condescending to anyone. No. Uh, he's very thoughtful in his uh, in his responses. Doesn't speak in cliches. Would you say uh, I'm bang on in that assessment? Yeah, I would. And and you know what surprises me, Dan, is aside from the World Cup of Hockey where he worked with Ralph Kruger and is now real close friends with, with Ralph Kruger, he really had nothing to do with Hockey Canada. That always shocked me hmm. because Paul is such a masterful communicator. And, you know, during the day when Canada was winning gold medals and uh, was, was literally top of, of the international uh, crown and world, um, you know, it was Mike Babcock, uh, you know, it was Ken Hitchcock. There was a, a circle of these veteran coaches that always just seemed to kind of pass the ring around, you know, who, whose turn is it now? And, and it was always curious to me how Paul Maurice, you know, never got asked. He was never invited to hmm. participate in that. And, and as a young coach then, I mean, now he's 
52-53. He's not old by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I'm kind of hoping that the NHL steps back into the uh, the international circuit and, and certainly back on the Olympic stage because he, for one, is a guy that deserves that, uh, that level of experience and recognition. If you are a betting man right now, since you brought up the topic of Olympic circuit, which is something near and dear to our hearts. Yeah. And I, I think every... Every fan of hockey wants the players back at the Olympics, and the players themselves want to be back at the Olympics. If you're a betting man, do you think they're in Beijing? Uh, I'm going to say yes, but man, it's a sketchy bet. And and the reason I'm I'm skeptical is because of the stubbornness of the IOC. And, uh, you know, I can appreciate why the National Hockey League and the Players Association have to get costs covered. Um, you know, the last Olympics that the NHL participated in, I believe that the, just in, in, in insurance coverage and in travel and in accommodations on all of those things, you know, it was like a $20 million tab. You know, it's not chump change. And, you know, it's a disruption to the NHL regular season schedule. And the fact that it's in China, obviously you've got an enormous time zone issue, all of that. But, but the reason I would bet that the league will participate in 2022, that is an untapped market. That's a big on one. Top. And, they, and the they've biggest. been there. They've gone yeah. there before. Yeah. They've got no game plan. So it baffles me that they wouldn't want to be there. Now, is one of the sticking issues with the IOC, the NHL said, yeah, we'll send our players. We just want access to them. That's all they want, right? Yeah. That's it, another that, thing? That's part of it for sure. But I think, again, it's uh, – I, I shouldn't even say this, but it, I'm going to say it. It's the arrogance of, of the Olympics, and, and I'm not just talking about the Winter Olympics, I'm talking about the Summer Olympics. It's, it's amateur sport, but, but we've invited pro athletes onto the world stage, both in the Summer Games and in the Winter Games, obviously. So I think the worry from the IOC's perspective is, well, if, if we bend and we allow the National Hockey League to sell off certain elements or we sell, start subsidizing, paying the NHL covering costs here, there, and everywhere. You know what's basketball going to say? Mm-hmm. And what are the NBA guys going to go when the Summer Olympics will roll around? They're going to go, yeah, you know what? That fifteen million you gave to the NHL, add another zero to it, yeah, and and we'll come running. But um, you know, so there's a lot of posturing and a lot of work that has to get done. But I'm telling you, I mean, and 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 it's not just the players' association push here. There's some very high-profile, powerful agents that just can't understand. They don't see a world where the NHL doesn't go to China in 2022. Um, so I, I don't know that this is going to be a huge CBA fight, but it's definitely going to be one of the key topics of discussion before they extend the CBA. Dregs, let's talk about your summer. It was bonkers. Like yeah, it, it kind of was. I mean, you're you're covering these RFAs. It was just, like you didn't really have a summer. It seemed like because you well, were you were I, constantly you know, on it. I, yeah, you know what, Jay? But but you know, there's a big difference now between sending a bunch of texts on a daily basis and then having to race into the studio to do all that. And I I didn't have to race into the studio because. You know, the restricted free agents and uh, their camps and the NHL teams involved couldn't get anything done over the course of the summer. So I checked in on a daily basis, but it uh, it wasn't heavy lifting. They were kind enough to all of us in the insider business to wait until September until we were back <laughs> at work. Have, have you seen a summer or an offseason like the one we just witnessed where this many RFAs went unsigned for that long? No, and I don't know that we'll ever see it again. And then, in part, that might be because there is a new collective bargaining agreement, and maybe, maybe there are some mechanisms introduced that uh, you know prevent the number and and the type of uh, ongoing and dragged out negotiations that we had. But you know what? All the guys are signed now, and and are they going to be a hundred percent up to speed? Is Lion a you know going to be as as uh, good as he can be right out of the gate? Kyle Connor, uh, Miko Ranton, and all these guys that signed late? No, probably not. But, but they got it done, and that's a godsend for all the teams that were impacted by it. But I don't think we've ever – in fact, I know. We've never seen players with this level of inexperience, restricted free agents, have the power and the leverage that this group had. And we may never see it again. You, you might see, you know, one to three players – you know, next year, the year after, but I don't think we're ever going to see a handful of top guys that we saw this year. And Nylander with the Leafs, that was a cautionary tale for everyone. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was. And, and look, there's no sense looking back, and I'm sure Kyle Dubas doesn't waste any energy or time doing it. But I wonder if the landscape would have shifted a little bit if the Maple Leafs had dug in and said, no, we're not giving you the deal that you ended up getting. You want to sit out and blow off a year? Good for you. You know, we'll we'll uh, re uh, we'll resume these conversations next spring. Um, Toronto didn't want to do that because they were in the quest to uh, win a Stanley Cup. They believed Nylander was a big part of it. So, in essence, they had to cave. And if they hadn't, maybe things would have shifted a little bit, starting with Mitch Marner and going through all the others. Well, so. Speaking of Marner, so all those deals, you talk about Marner, Connor, Line, Kachuk, Ranton, and Point, and Besser. Was there a deal amongst all of those big-name RFAs that uh, you were surprised was uh, higher than you expected or lower than expected? What was the most surprising of those deals to you? Uh, well, I wasn't surprised by Marner just because I was so close to, to, to following and, and reporting on it. And I believed all along that Mitch Marner had earned better than $10 million on an annual average salary, and he got essentially $11 million. I thought Braden Point might get a little bit more. I thought that Matthew Kachuk might get a little bit more. But, you know, Kachuk gets $9 million in that third year, which becomes his qualifying offer. So that's a, that, that's a terrific deal. Um, Kyle Connor surprises me a little bit, and, and mostly because of the term. Uh, seven years was a significant win, in my opinion, by the Winnipeg Jets, because I'll tell you this, guys, and this isn't a slight on Patrick Laine. I'm not comparing Kyle Connor to Patrick Laine. They're very different players, different skill sets. You know, Patrick Laine can do something that Kyle Connor is never going to be able to do, and that's be a prolific scorer. Connor's going to be an offensive weapon. He's that now in the NHL, but he is a complete player. And, and perhaps underrated, I would say, around the NHL. Not in Winnipeg, but around the NHL. So for Winnipeg to lock him down for the seven-year term, that's good work, I think, by the Jets. And I think the best thing about all these guys, sure, they missed a bit of training camp, but when they walk back into that room, I don't. in my mind, no one's upset because these guys are like, yeah, when my contract comes up, I want to get the <laughs> most money I can get too. So thank you for not just uh, settling for a lower dollar. No, I hear you, Dan, but I, I'm not so sure of that. And I don't have evidence to suggest that, you know, anybody in, in the Jets room is upset because, you know, Line and Connor are making the dough that they're going to make this season. Or, you know, you go around to some of the other guys. Nate McKinnon is an absolute steal in Colorado. And, and Miko Rantanen's making big bucks now all of a sudden. I don't know that there's there's an understanding, of course. And to your point, you know, these guys are going to get to a place where, you know, their contracts are expiring. They're unrestricted free agents, and if they play the way they continue to play, they're going to command top dollar. But I do think that with these young 21, 22-year-olds now coming into the dressing room, making those big, big dollars, that's got to have some sort of impact. There's mm. got to be a discussion in that room. You know, hopefully it doesn't fester. I mean, you know, let's use Mark Shifley as an example. I mean, when he signed his deal, uh, that was good money. And, yeah. and great term. It just turns out that Mark Shifley flipped the switch and became an NHL superstar, yeah. you know, right after he got that deal done. Um, but these guys are pros. They understand it. Um, they, they, they can appreciate the leverage. But still, there is a pecking order, and the money side of things can be part of it. What about Taylor Hall? Are Any word on how close he might be? He He wants to be in New Jersey, I take it. Yeah, he does. He does. Uh, you know, Ray Sherrill, the general manager there, I think felt going into the draft and into the offseason that, you know, maybe he had to prove to not only Taylor Hall, but to a lot of people that, you know, he's a general manager that can get some things done very, very quickly. But there was a bit of a sales pitch that went along with that. He had to deliver, and, and he has, not just you know, winning the first pick overall and drafting Jack Hughes. But, you know, the P.K. Subban trade, if it works out, if, if P.K. can be as impactful as the Devils need him to be, um, then that's an excellent and a bold ad by Shiro and the Devils. And that showed Taylor Hall that the organization is in it. And, and you know, they're not just going to, to uh, accept being competitive. They want to get back into the playoff mix, and they want to be a contending team. Now, there's another element to this that means a lot to Taylor Hall. He's coming off, you know, a fairly serious injury. And uh, from all accounts, the, the New Jersey Devils 
as every team should and most do, pulled out all the stops from a medical perspective. They showed him that he was top priority. Didn't push him, didn't race to get him back into the lineup, you know, because of wins or losses and where they sat in the standings. They made sure he felt comfortable taking the time and he had the resources to get back to 100% health. And, guys, I can tell you that matters to players more than most of us know. I can't wait for the, the devil season. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, should we play our game? Yeah, so Dregs, we have a little game we want. We play this rapid-fire game with a lot of NHL players. We thought it would be fun to play with you, uh, in mostly involving broadcasters. Though we're, okay. we're going to throw in a few uh, former coaches who have been on the panel okay. uh, in the past. And so why don't we start with Paul Maurice? Uh, does something comes to mind quickly. Well, Paul, I know you've talked about him, but... but uh, interested to get your perspective about him uh, as a broadcaster because he does a terrific job when he's when he's in between jobs. Yeah, very insightful, incredibly knowledgeable from a hockey perspective. He can break the game down um, as well or better than just about anyone that I've ever associated with. He's got a wicked sense of humor, both on air and off air. Um, for public consumption and then for behind the scenes it can shift from time to time and here's something you didn't know about paul maurice he is a huge led zeppelin fan (laughs) okay wow like he could he could lip sync and i'm not exaggerating i'm i'm all but sure he could lip sync pretty much every led zeppelin tune there is wow uh let's stay with this coaching theme this is a man who always looks like he's on the verge of snapping peter laviolette Mm-hmm. Um, intense, no question about that. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, very, very competitive. Uh, prepares well. Uh, expects everybody around him to do the same. Uh, he's got a healthy confidence, level of confidence, but that's because he's won, right? And, and he's proven that, you know, he's uh, one of hockey's great coaches so i got a lot of time for peter he's always been good to me um and i appreciate and enjoy the time that we spent in uh at at tsn and i'm not going to take credit for this but the philadelphia flyers back in the day actually called me when he was with tsn to ask me about peter lavia wow look at this your reference (laughs) whoa that's pretty cool man that's you've reached a pretty impressive status around the league when that is happening is that the only time that happened have other teams called you about other like when people wanted to hire o-dog to be their assistant gm or they calling you up yeah not necessarily with o-dog but uh yeah look and you know i'm sure bob mckenzie gets uh, the same sort of uh of, of direction and and uh queries from from general managers sometimes it's about players not necessarily what they're doing on the ice but the character of the the young man in question um general managers absolutely will call about coaches who are unemployed to find out what we know about this guy you know uh is he good with young players all of that it's just part of the work that they do in in gathering the intel before they you know either make a trade or they sign a player or you know they hire another coach so uh, staying with coaches because this is fun and this is one, when he was hired by TSN, this just reverberated, and it was such a fascinating thing to have him in here. John Tortorella. Yeah. For that, that year that he was here, and he was, he was ornery, but also uh, a lot of people here who were, who were there at the time really speak highly of, of how great he was to everybody. Yeah, and, and I'm one of those. Um, he's a kind-hearted gentleman. He really is. He's uh, he has great respect for the history of sport, not just uh, hockey and and specifically the National Hockey League. A devout family man, uh, as most are, but that shouldn't come as a surprise. Loves to fish. I mean, wow, next, so fascinating. Next to coaching, I mean, fishing and his dogs are you know uh, his his two most important. Um, you know, relaxation strategies, if you will, and and I have a, you know, I don't I don't stay in constant communication with Torts, but every once in a while he'll, you know, he'll just lose it right over whatever it happens to be, and I'll text him and I'll go, geez, Torts, that was a good one today, <laughs> and I'll get a I'll get a text back, f off, Dregs, <laughs> hope your family is great, good to hear from you. <laughs> 
and I'm sure you get the same kind of text from Brian Burke. He's the next on the list. Yeah, well, uh, he's competition now, so I don't. <laughs> I, I don't like talking about Burke. No, I, I. I'll tell you what. I did have. So this goes back in my time at Sportsnet years ago, and and myself. Uh, Nick Kiprios, I think Billy Waters was on the panel at the time, and I, I, maybe John Garrett was in from Vancouver. And Marcus Naslin had broken his leg, and it was a touchy time of year. The Vancouver Canucks had his jersey, his sweater, we call him in Canada, hanging in the dressing room, and guys were just, you know, I mean, it's the, the, the tradition sort of honoring, you know, a fallen comrade, whatever. You know, they were touching the sweater on the way out to, to the ice, and... So we used it as a topic on, on a panel chat. And and I, I wouldn't say we made fun of it, but, you know, there were some who said, come on, you're touching a sweater. Like, what's that? Well, like, the next day, like, my daughter was, like, two at the time. I'm trying to feed her breakfast. It's, like, 7.45 a.m., and I get a call from T.C. Carling, who is the PR guy in Vancouver. Hey, uh, Dregs, you got a second? Brian Burke is on the line. And Berkey <laughs> shredded me. Oh, wow. And so I had a decision to make back then. I, and I was still pretty new to network TV, and I thought, you know what? The hell with it. I'm not taking his crap. And I went back, and I said, Berkey, I'm feeding my two-year-old daughter breakfast. Now, if you've got the stones and you want to have this conversation on national television, I'll make sure that we've got a camera to your office, and we'll book a double-ender, and it'll be great TV. Otherwise, you can beat it. (laughs) And (laughs) and so they essentially hung up, and about two hours later... I uh, I get a call back from uh, from TC and he's like uh, Berkey wants to know if everything's good. <laughs> <laughs> See, you just so gotta great. let uh, Berkey that Irish temper just let him yeah, blow off steam and then it'll, uh, then it'll yeah. then it'll go away. Yeah, <laughs> we've been, we've been pretty much good ever since. <laughs> I just love, I just love that the PR guy had to call back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So speaking speaking of that Sportsnet panel and a guy who just uh, recently left Sportsnet, Nick Kiprios. Yeah. Uh, well, he's still a good buddy. Uh, I mean, you know, aside from that uh, tweet that he sent out, you know, what was that, six, seven, eight, Do you guys talk ago? about that? Have you talked to him about Oh, that? yeah. I mean, we joke about it on occasion, of course. But uh, What was the tweet again? Uh, those from TSN. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. exactly what <laughs> right. it was. You're I supposed mean, to be a direct message to someone. Yeah, right? it was yeah, the yeah. early days of Twitter, and Nick hadn't quite <laughs> figured out what the direct message was. It was kind of like... Uh, didn't Gino Redder or somebody or Ryan Rashog accidentally tweet out their cell phone number? Oh, that's, I, it might have been. Uh, that one. sounds like something Shoggy would. Do. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I'll tell you again. Um, you know, and 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 I don't want to gush, but uh, you know, Nick was uh, is uh, a dear friend. Um, you know, I would say that you know we weren't as close in the past decade or so, just because our jobs and our our lives dictated that. You know, we were heading in uh, in different directions, but you know. Uh, not dissimilar to how this conversation started with Ray Ferraro. Um, you know, if you're ever up against it, man, I would want Nick Kiprios on my team because aside from what he did for a living as a hockey player, uh, he's just, he's a good dude. Have you uh, have you sensed, because you mentioned how he was the competition, and in my time in broadcasting, I have the feeling that all of these rivalries have softened. Have you sensed that too? Like now, yeah. you can actually say, yeah, "Yeah, we're friends. Those guys are great." You don't have to bash the competition anymore. No, that's fair, Dan. And, and look, I think we would have said that all along. Um, but you know what shifted it? Social media, because you know, back in the day, the, the the conduits for breaking news were few and 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 far between. I mean, you know, you you had TSN, you had Sportsnet. Yeah, you know, there's some very good newspaper newsbreakers. But now social media has, has changed all of that because, you know, your your beat reporters now who and I'm happy for them. I'm happy for them. I mean, they're on planes every day. You know, they're they're working on no sleep. You know, they should get stories hmm. when they're covering the team on an hour by hour basis. And years ago, that wasn't the case. If there was a significant injury, you know, I'd pick up a phone and, and call a coach or a general manager or a player and you'd get the scoop. You know, so so now the beat guys and girls are, are being recognized for their hard work. So I think that has taken some of the, hmm. the bigger national punch out of it. Uh, a gentleman that you mentioned earlier in this uh, conversation, uh, how about Ryan Rashog, mm-hmm. our Edmonton bureau chief? Healthy ego. Um, <laughs> yeah, a good guy. 
Um, yeah. Very talented. Again, as we started the conversation, uh, talking about uh, musical interests and whatnot, um, Ryan is incredibly talented uh, from a musical perspective, plays guitar. I think he plays a fair bit of piano as well. I did not, not quite know this. A, yeah, not quite as good a singer as he thinks he is. <laughs> um, he is definitely, Dan, you were talking about the guy at the party that you hate who brings the guitar out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's Rashad. And he brings, yeah. the, brings a piano too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, he'll have a couple of cosmopolitans, and he'll start feeling a little tipsy, and then he'll start singing the ballads and things like that. But uh, he, he is a, he's a fascinating person because he is uh, at this. Everyone, I think, loves to poke fun at him at the network. But he's so intense, right? Yeah, he's like an yeah. intense guy. Yeah. But but then also like he'll he's a prankster also like he's that oh, guy man. he loves to do yeah. that stuff he definitely loves to do that stuff um, he you know he's I I I think that he uses that the way I use it too right I I mean uh, Ferrero is is always on edge around me Gord Miller all of those guys <laughs> when we're traveling because I've been known to pull a prank here or there but you know and I think Ryan is, subscribes to the, a similar philosophy. When you travel in packs like that, you've got to have a release valve, right? You, yeah. You've got to have something that you can laugh at and, and that brings the group together. And and he's really, really good at doing that. And, and look, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, if you want somebody uh, to, to go into a tough press conference or into a tough story, I mean, look at, at, at how he handled that incredible tragedy and loss of the Humboldt Broncos from beginning to end. Um, and, and I've seen him ask some just remarkably difficult questions in, in tough scenarios where coaches would rather strangle him than, than answer the question. But he's a journalist, and he knows what his job is, and he has to do it. So um, I got a soft spot for Ryan Rashog. He pisses me off a lot. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But, uh, no, nah, I mean, in terms of my uh, closer friends in the industry, he's right up there. I have to... On a lighter note, I have to ask you about Jeff O'Neill. When Jeff O'Neill joined the network, yeah. were you, for, for me, I instantly said to our then boss, Mark Millier, you have like a Charles Barkley on your hands here. Right. Because he's one of, because the thing about hockey players, and I don't know if you agree or disagree, even though there is more personality coming to the forefront, in a lot of ways, personality isn't as in the forefront as, say, basketball or even baseball or football. There's more of a pack mentality in hockey. You're supposed to be part of the team. Whereas O-Dog is very much a don't give a f what everyone thinks of me type of person, which is rare from a player. Yeah, incredibly rare. And and look, you know, he, he comes across um, with that sort of front and attitude, but he's only telling, like, the very top layer of the stories that that he's comfortable telling um i've heard some that i can't repeat <laughs> you know just because of the people involved that he's told and he's shared um but but you're right that's what kind of makes him unique and he's he's not afraid to to be a fan as well i mean when the when the toronto maple leafs are doing something good you know O-Dog has got the pom-poms out, man, and he is waving and, you know, he's beating the drum. But when things aren't going well, you know, he's among the first to say, this guy's got to be better, and here's how he can be better. And he called you know, out he, Marner for when Marner oh, wouldn't yeah. sign the contract. I I'm like, that, I couldn't believe that. That was the ultimate, he's stepped, he's gone from being yeah. a player to a broadcaster now, to me. Yeah. Because, right? Because usually the players are always on the side of the players. Right, but, but I think... Oh, also understands where he's at. And I, I wouldn't say that, that those of us who, who have to deal with teams on a daily basis pull punches. We can't. I mean, you know, we have the, the luxury as insiders to do exactly that, to share inside information. Sometimes it can be, you know, damaging. There, there are times often when teams, players, uh, all involved don't want the information out that we're sharing, but we have to do it. O doesn't care about any of that. You know, he's 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 not worried about breaking news. Um, if he sees or hears something interesting, um, hockey related, baseball, whatever the sport is, or or just society in general, he's coming out swinging, and he's not worrying about the backlash. He could give a rat's ass about the backlash, and I love it. Uh, we have to ask you about uh, the Godfather, um, Bob McKenzie. Yeah, this is uh, this is his last year. Is this it? 
Is this yeah, a- I'm not buying it, guys. Yeah, I don't I'm not. Buy that I, I think this might be the softest retirement in the history <laughs> of retirements. I mean, seriously. Like, let's think a little bit here about our coverage at the World Juniors or our draft coverage, all of those things that Bob has just owned over the years. That's not going away, I don't think, anytime soon. So are you no. saying he's like uh, the boyfriend saying, oh, look, I'm packing my bags, <laughs> I'm leaving, but doing it very, very slowly. I, I think that's probably it. What it's <laughs> going to mean is I'm going to be doing more of the Gino Retta House of Pain, which I call <laughs> That's Hockey. Um, that would know. be a better name for That's Hockey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the sports centers, podium hits, uh, all of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, Pierre Lebrun and, and Frank Cervalli and I will probably share that load moving forward. So I think some of the menial day-to-day stuff Bob is going to push away from. But, I mean, how, I, there can't be hockey coverage in Canada without Bob McKenzie. I mean, well, that just doesn't make sense. I just can't see him, you know, throughout the playoffs or something, you know, being up at his cottage and not... I know he's going to tweet about wine, whatever wine he's drinking, but I can't see yeah. him not chiming in when he has something to say, right? I, it just doesn't seem like Just Bob, set up a right? studio at his house. If he doesn't have yeah. to leave his house, there you go. Yeah, and and maybe he'll do that. I mean, he's he's got the tie line in one of his houses. He has about eight houses now. So that's, <laughs> that's right. D- describe what a tie line is. That's what you're on right now because it's crystal clear. It's not a telephone line. It's a... No. It's a, yeah, it's, a, it's called a tie line, but it's a direct link right to uh studio in toronto so uh I, I, i'm sure bob has one in fact i i think yeah he does guys do Jack yeah he Armstrong, does strong go down the list yeah yeah i think and you know to your point dregs about how yes there was competition between the tsn guys and the sportsnet guys when you were at sportsnet but it was and correct me if i'm wrong here it was in fact bob who sort of initiated bringing you over here is that correct yeah 2006 and um it was it was a curious time for me there was a lot of change which i i didn't agree with that was happening over at uh sports at the time uh scotty morrison who's a dear friend uh had just been let go jeff mcdonald who's a program director for tsn 1050 had been piped over there they were going in a full directional change and uh you know, uh, I was um, approached by TSN after meeting with Bob in Bob's backyard at his old house in Whitby. So fascinating. And yeah, he, he he didn't have to convince me. He just he, he laid out the opportunity and uh, and convinced me that, you know, from a career perspective, this was something that 100 percent I, I needed to take. Um, but as I'm mulling it over, um, you know, about a day, two days later, that news breaks, and Morrison gets fired, and J-Mac gets fired, and uh, I'm like, uh-oh, I've just turned TSN down because I couldn't bail on Morrison, um, and uh, uh, I, I got a second opportunity. When they, when they got fired, the phone rang a day later, as I said, and uh, it was Mark Moliere from TSN at the time, and he said, uh, so... Based on what's happened, does that change your mind? You want to reconsider? I'm like, this was a Tuesday? I said, yep, I'll be there tomorrow morning. Does that work for you? And I signed the deal the next morning. So you initially, even though Bob had approached you and laid all that out, initially you were like, no, I'm I'm too loyal to Scotty. I can't go. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And I I recall Bob kind of chuckling and saying, well, that's too bad. But just so you know. Um, you know, TSN doesn't offer a deal twice. So <laughs> good luck to you. So Where unfortunately, you? <laughs> I needed two guys to get fired to uh, get the original offer put back onto the table, but it's worked out well since. Were you at Sportsnet when on trade deadline day one time they had a pizza party? No, that was the year after. <laughs> that was the year after I left. That was insanity. Yeah. Because they were yeah. like, well, like, at that point, they're like, well, we aren't going to top these guys so they tried to have like fun with yeah. it and i think they had you remember eckland yes uh, hockey he, buzz. he could only see a shadow yeah they had him behind a curtain like yeah you're <laughs> right you could see the shadow but uh yeah there were some tough times in the early days man i i like i almost my first year at at, at sports that i was the national host i almost got fired Scott Moore calls me into the office because the year hadn't gone as well as everyone was predicted and he said well one of your panelists wants you fired oh that one stung 
Wow. Did you ever yeah. find out who it was? Oh, yeah, I know who it was. And I and I talked to the individual about it, and uh, they say that it never happened. Uh-huh. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's whatever. one of those. But Do you want to uh, reveal who that person is on this no, podcast, Chris? Uh, yeah, no, I can't. <laughs> Still working in the industry. Wow. wow okay. But can, can we go back to Eklund for a second? You told me this once, and again, maybe I'm getting my, uh, my memories on what it used to, but were you not approached to be Eklund before Eklund? Uh, no. Like, were you not approached no. to kind of set up that type of trade rumory website before Eklund did? I, I, I was, but not to that degree. Okay. Um, no, it was, it was more exactly as you describe in terms of, uh, you know, website outside of, uh, again, back then the day Sportsnet. And, you know, maybe it could be a hockey rumors thing, blah, 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 blah. I just... I was like, nah, I don't have time for that. That sounds, yeah, sounded shady. Okay, we got one more for you. And, and it's, this, uh, is, this is your your co-host. Yeah, your podcast partner, Ray Ferraro, the most interesting man in uh, Canadian television. Yeah, he uh, he can be incredibly angry at times. <laughs> That's why I love him. <laughs> but I will, I will say this, and I don't think he'd mind me uh, divulging this. I mean, he's worked hard at it. Um, not that it was a problem, but it was, he just didn't like feeling angry. Um, but I, I, look again, uh, this guy would uh, give you the shirt off his back if he knew that you needed it and it was going to help you even in a small way. Um, you know, I've had so many good times with him. He can be an SOB. Like (laughs) you you remember the old horse bite when you're, you, you know, say you're sitting in the back of a car and there's like three guys sitting in the back of the car and you're shoulder to shoulder, you're in there tight and you got an a-hole who reaches over and grabs the fat of the inside of your thigh and squeezes and pinches as hard as he can. Yeah. Yeah, raise that guy. My, my, grand, that my grandfather used to do that, but in the collarbone, call it a snake bite and just yeah. put your fingers right there and you're paralyzed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the the number of deep blue bruises that I have had <laughs> on my legs, the pinches, you know, under your arm, that kind of stuff from Ray. Oh, I, the I worst. mean, I don't even know. But uh, no, you know what? Ray and I have uh, uh, an excellent relationship because. Um, you know, we just we, we subscribe to the same values in life, um, and and we try our best to keep things positive. But um, he's a very encouraging man, and has helped me through some some tough times as well. But the World Championships, as an example, I mean, we'll go for these five mile hikes every day, and we'll just get. We, it happened in Slovakia this year. We're walking, and we 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 we, we stop walking because we're at the base of a mountain. <laughs> And we have no idea how far we've walked <laughs> and how long it's going to take us to get back. So, I mean, and it's all part of, of uh, great conversation and just life experience. So he's one of my favorites. And I'm looking forward to and, and you guys had to like a preview of the Ray and Dregs podcast. It was like a 20-minute preview that I listened to. And I think Ray said it very well that there is a side of you that the public needs to hear but has been somewhat shielded by your broadcasting persona, which is uh, impeccable and and very professional. But we know the other side of you, which is very fun and uh, a little prankster-ish as well. You like, you like uh, being a bit of a prankster, <laughs> and you're a fun person. And Ray really touched on that in that preview podcast. I'm, that's what I'm really looking forward to in this, in this Ray and Dregs podcast, is to, so that people can hear... The other side of Darren Drager. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, and I'm <clears throat> looking forward to it. I, you know, there's a saying that I think Ray brought up in episode zero, that that first podcast, I suppose, the teaser um, that I've stolen from Western Canada. And it's called Throat Punch. So we're going to try and incorporate that as maybe a weekly segment. And and what it means is, you know, everybody's got somebody in their life, an experience be it fleeting somebody you've known for a long time that just gets under your skin. Oh, I've and, got about 37 at the, <laughs> yeah, at the yeah. current time. No, I, I understand. <laughs> I get it. And those are the people that, if you could, you'd like to throat punch. <laughs> yeah. So, so every week, and, and I'm hoping that it's going to be a real challenge, uh, I'm going to present my throat punch candidate of the week, and and Ferrero May as well. So that'll give you uh, a taste of, uh, you know, both the, the humorous side of my personality and maybe the dark side, fellas, as well. I can't wait. I okay. can't wait. It's going to be great. And it's uh, the first podcast is up. Is it already up? Not the no, preview no. one. No, you yeah. just taped it. 
Yeah, no, we're taping uh, in what's oh, tomorrow, October first. Uh, that's we're we're taping it this week and should be up by Tuesday. I'm guessing. Oh boy, can't Looking wait to it. Dregs, you are uh, very generous with your time. We always appreciate it. Great chat with you, and uh, enjoy the uh, start of the NHL season. Nah, it's always fun talking to you guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Dregs. You know what I realized talking to Dregs there? Uh, what a guest! Is that? Um, we need to get out of the studio more. Because all those people, they like go on the road together. Yeah. We, we never leave the studio. No, but we are. This Friday and Saturday to Calgary and Edmonton for so, the Jay and Dan podcast. If someone runs down a list like that, so it's 20 years down the road, they're like, okay, stuff. And we're like, yeah, we, uh, Jay. And that's it. That's all we. That's our list. That's all I really <laughs> care about. Oh, and then they'll ask us about producer Tim. Oh, producer Tim. And then maybe cameraman Glenn. Yeah. And I guess that's it. The bearded guy from Peterborough. <laughs> hey, if you are the bearded, the bearded gen- guy from Peterborough. If you're the bearded gentleman from the gazebo at the Peterborough Museum that was there on Saturday, send me a message. Reach out. Reach maybe, out to Dan. Maybe it's a long lost pal. That would be pretty cool if we could have him or her on the next Jane Dan podcast. It's a him. Oh. Do you know that for sure? You said it was quite a ways away. It was a large, burly man with a beard. Okay. My erections have returned. Let's just say this. Our next podcast, we'll be talking about our events in Calgary and Edmonton this weekend. So, just a reminder, those two shows are almost sold out, but not sold out yet. So you can still get your tickets. The Bella Concert Hall this Friday, October 4th in Calgary, Mount Royal College campus. Looking forward to seeing you there. And then Saturday at the historic Meyer Horowitz Theater. The hip used to play there all the time. I'm very excited to play there. It's a great theater, and we'll be there Saturday night in Edmonton. And if you if you don't know what to expect, I talked to my brother Sean on the way to this podcast tonight. Um, I hadn't talked to him since the Vancouver podcast. Yeah, he was there. Which he with attended his live. Yeah, and he said his buddy Pelly was there. He bought a ticket. He wanted to be nice and close, so he sit next to my brother. He said, "Pelly wouldn't stop elbowing me. He's laughing so hard." Oh, I love it. I love it. it, it the laughs, they, uh, they, they are a plenty. Lots of chuckles. Going to be see, a good time. I see my brother trying to be grumpy and the guy's like, <laughs> He's like, yeah. he, <laughs> he didn't. Uh, no, he, he said he, he, Well, your he brother said he wanted fun. to have a, have a couple of drinkies, but sometimes you got to be the driver. And he said it was, he's like, what'd you guys do after him? He's like, it was, it was hell. I'm like, you live in Vancouver because there's, Horrible. I didn't know the weather was that bad. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, I was. Every time I go to Vancouver, it's that weather. <laughs> so, I I don't know. I just expect it to be raining all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it doesn't. You're inside. You're drinking inside. Yeah. We weren't it's in like open stand, air theater. Yeah, I'm not standing out in the cold. <laughs> I'm drinking inside. I'll be drinking inside at Calgary and drinking inside in Edmonton this weekend. So get your tickets. Eventbrite.ca. All one word. Eventbrite. .ca for your tickets this Friday in Calgary, this Saturday in Edmonton. Be there. Stoff will be there. Stoff, have you been to Calgary or Edmonton before? I have not. Looking forward to it. Big time. We may lose you there. You're going to love it so much. And all the snow, yes. Wild Rose Country. It's going to be a blast. All right, we'll see you there, guys. Thanks for listening. Yeah. They're going home.
This is the Jay and Dan Podcast. 